Here we go into uh, continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I, have you been able to enjoy some fresh fruit this summer in some way, in some form? I know for our family, probably the highlight of enjoying fresh fruit has been watermelon. We like watermelon quite a bit, although we have noticed that there is a family member, uh, uh, Emmy's father, who does not like watermelon. And if he's online watching or if he's going to be online watching, our prayers are with you because uh, (laughs) he doesn't like watermelon at all. But uh, it just seems like a refreshing summer fruit. Uh, Peaches. How about peaches? You've been enjoying peaches at all. Uh, Maybe nectarines as well, too. But uh, enjoying the peaches, it's the peak of the season, uh, was actually mid-July. Mid-July, I've, I've been told that the peak of the season was during that time. And uh, I've been also told that it will last until September. So you got a little time still to enjoy some peaches, but uh, from here on out, you probably need to be careful in choosing those peaches because they're probably going to get worse and worse as you go on. And how will you know which pe- peaches are ripe? Uh, well, Squeezing fruit is one way, but (laughs) if you squeeze it too hard, you're going to be in trouble. You bruise the fruit. Like with bananas. With bananas, you you look at the fruit. You don't squeeze them. And you look at it to see if they're ready to eat, see the color of them. And the same thing with a peach. The color of a peach determines ripeness as well. So you look at the the fruit, the peach there, and see if it's the right color. If there's no green in it. Yeah, you don't want a green peach. That's going to be bad news. But, uh, you know, only the yellow, the oranges, the, the, the reds, then your peach is ready to eat. All fruit needs to be handled gently, especially apples, pears, peaches. We, some of you know we have an apple tree and a pear tree in our front yard there in our house. And uh, we, when the apples get ripe, we hear those apples come off the tree because the wind blows the branches and they hit the ground. And uh, we come through there picking up some apples thinking, oh, hey, this one looks good. And we turn it over and go, oh, nope, not good at all. <laughs> Big old bruise or it's split. Um, but uh, you've got to watch out for those and be gentle with them. They come from that tree. They hit that ground pretty hard and uh, they bruise. You could toss a sack of potatoes around without any damage to the product. Uh, but a bag of peaches and apples or any fruit really needs to be handled gently. That's also the way that God wants us to treat one another, handling them gently. Gentleness is the fruit of the Spirit we're going to be looking at today. It's one of the uh, second to the last one we're going to be looking at. Next week, we're going to be looking at self-control, and that will be a very good one. I hope you'll be able to join us next Sunday as well. But this gentleness is a characteristic that you might often associate maybe with, with mothers caring for their newborn, being gentle with that baby or even grandparents with a newborn grandchild as well, too. I know as far as holding ransom when he was a little one, it, it was gentleness all the way, being careful, holding the head, prompting, making sure the head was, was supported. Same thing with Tenley, um, making sure that, that that little one was supported and it was gentle going on within my arms. But gentleness is a characteristic that God looks for, especially in people who might tend to treat those beneath them in harsh ways. As you know, Anthony, uh, he was followed by his brother about within a year. And so Anthony had to learn to be gentle with his brother, Jameson. 
And there were moments when he really wasn't as much. Now, you think Anthony these days, you think, Anthony, not gentle? But uh, he was more curious than anything at the times and uh, didn't know exactly what this little guy, you know, what he could handle. And uh, I guess that was, that's probably what toughened up Jameson during the years. But, but anyway, uh, we had to prop Jameson in a, uh, a, a baby carrier up on the piano <laughs> so, so Anthony couldn't get to him. But, uh, but we had to always say, be gentle, be gentle, and help, help Anthony with that. Then as the years went on, all three boys, when we had three boys and they were young, they each got a kitten, and we had to, again, bring out that expression, be gentle, be gentle, because they just love that kitten, just like that. As you know, we had the cat, Meshach, and that thing could just tolerate anything, and uh, it, it eventually you know, had to deal with uh, Brianna when she came around, and the brothers would then instruct her, be gentle, be gentle, and she'd go, yep, yep, poo, it's like, that. so being gentle is something that is a key thing, especially uh, when people might tend to treat those beneath them in a harsh manner. Listen to how our powerful God treats us as, you, as we look at this text here today in Matthew chapter 11. Here Jesus is, is, is instructing, and uh, in verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When Jesus says that he is gentle, we shouldn't think that this means that he is feeble. Just picture the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane when the soldiers stumbled backwards after Jesus simply identified himself as the one they were looking for. And you recall that, that scene in, in the Bible. Jesus was proving to them that he had the power to crush them without even lifting a finger. Jesus' example illustrates uh, very well that the Greek word for gentleness means power under control. Power under control. Think of the horse. A tame horse is gentle. Its power is no longer wasted in pointless bursts of speed across open fields or by hooves lashing out in the open, empty air. The horse's power is instead harnessed for the good of the rider and the farmer. But gentleness, as the Bible defines it, is more than power under control. I would suggest that gentle is, gentleness is power under God's control. Power under God's control. And so this, this gentleness, or you might also see it as meekness, is difficult to come by because it means we give up control. It means we allow someone else to control the events and actions of our life. And if there's one thing we don't want to give away, it is control. Just think about someone coming up to you and saying, I'm sorry, um, you're no longer fit to drive. We need your driver's license. And you're going, whoa, 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 wait. I, I, I want control over where I go and when I go and, and how I get to places. Losing control of that. Uh, losing control of what you eat. I know as far as when my mom was over at the Cascade Terrace care facility and uh, she had some difficulty with swallowing at times. 
but that wasn't going to keep her from having the food she wanted. But they did instruct her. They, they said, well, we're concerned that you'd aspirate on some things, and so we need you to have some more of a mechanical soft. And she was like, nope, <laughs> nope. I want to enjoy the food I, I can get, and I'm not going to have any of that mush stuff. Yeah. So she had to sign a waiver. Actually, I signed it for her. But anyway, uh, the thing is, is that she wanted control of that. And that's where we're at. We want control of our life in some way. Letting go of it all together is a little scary. What's going to happen to it? What's going to happen to our lives in the hands of who we let it, let it in control of? We, we just let go of that control and allow someone else to take, take hold of it. It's a little scary at times. But think about this. There are only two people in all of Scripture that are called gentle or meek. Uh, if you look in uh, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, Moses is described as that. It says, now the man Moses was very meek, or in, a, in NIV it says humble, above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So Moses, he was, he was the meek of the meek, <laughs> humble of the humble. And uh, he was able to um, live in that way. And then uh, we look in Matthew 21, verse 5, the other person is Jesus. And it says, uh, there, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus did more than just call us to live a life of, of gentleness and meekness. He also demonstrated how we could live it out. And that's important. And we could hear about it. We could see it happening. But how do we bridge that gap of looking at someone doing that and doing it ourselves? How do we put it into practice? What can we do to show gentleness in our lives? How do we live a life of, of meekness or gentleness? The answer is found in these words, which I would actually suggest that this is probably more of the title of the message, uh, living life under God's control. That's what gentleness is all about, living life under God's control in every aspect of your life. And there are five areas, at least five areas, that I want to share with you today that uh, I think will help us practically live this out. And you can write them down if you want in your bulletin there, or whatever. But uh, here are five areas I believe we can, uh, we can help. It will help us practically live this out. The first area we are, we are we're to live under God's control is in our personality. Our personality. Uh, I heard that a guy had uh, a story about a guy had trouble getting along with others. And finally, he turned for advice to a counselor friend, and he asked... Why doesn't anybody get along with me? And the counselor friend said, well, you've heard of the gift of hospitality? And the guy said, yes. And the counselor said, well, you have the antidote. <laughs> you have the antidote to that. Sometimes we have the antidote to some of the things we're supposed to have. And we need to make sure that we're, we're, we're under God's control to be able to live that out. God doesn't change our personality. We, are, we have the personality we have, but what happens, he just brings it under his control. You think about it in Scripture, that's what he did with James and John. You look at Scripture there, they're known as the sons of thunder for a very good reason. Um, James and John wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans to destroy them because they didn't welcome Jesus in Luke chapter 9, verse 54. And on another occasion, they wanted to ensure that they would be properly enthroned in Jesus' kingdom, one on his right and the other on his left. And there were also two arguments. They were argue, arguing, arguing among one another and uh, as to who would be the, the greatest 
in the kingdom of God. So all these things going on with these guys. And you're thinking, are these guys ever going to learn? Are they ever going to come under the control of God? But it's John who writes the revelation and calls himself a servant, a brother, and a companion. No longer does he think of himself as fighting for top position. But he now has a gentleness and a humility that didn't exist prior to the filling of the Holy Spirit. God didn't uh, change his personality. God just brought it under his control. Think of Peter in the same way. Before Pentecost, wow, he was out of control. He wanted to do all these different things. He was all over the place. He had great intentions, but his personality just led him in a lot of different ways. And then after Pentecost, that personality came under God's control. And you see it very clearly as he then preaches to the crowd there after the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And he lets them know what's actually going on. Is your personality living under God's control? Then uh, a second thing we, we should have is that we, you know, we are to live under God's control in our outlook. Our outlook. We don't look at things in the same way. Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says, Each of you should... Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And what was his attitude? It was gentle and it was meek. Jesus looked to serve, not to be served. He didn't make demands even when he knew what would be demanded of him. His outlook was different. So is your outlook living under God's control. We're also to live under God's control in our words. In our words. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, a very familiar verse in our family because it was one that we would give to our children quite a bit. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Great verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, if you want to memorize that and have that hidden away in your heart. Because our tongues are powerful tools. (laughs) Our tongues are powerful tools. With them we can build up or we can tear down. We can encourage one another or we can discourage one another. James chapter 3, verse 8 says, But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So, you look at that and you think, well, then what's, where's the hope? The only way to live with our tongue is to live under God's control. Our words. You know, especially during these days where we're probably on the edge in a lot of ways, in a lot of certain ways. On the edge when we hear another political statement. On the edge when we see another Facebook post. On the edge when we have someone discussing with us about mask mandates and how they think about them. All these things can put us on edge, and our tongue has the ability to tear down or build up. And what is it that you will be doing most of the time? It's a question for you only to answer, but it's a question also, too, another question we need to ask. Have we given that under God's control? Are we living under God's control in our words? It's something that I believe needs to happen these days, especially in this heightened sense of, tension and everything else going on. Are your words living under God's control? 
And then another area, our, you know, we are to live under God's control in our expectations. We are to live under God's control in our expectations. Again, Scripture speaks to this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Great verse, especially these days, to be able to follow. When we have expectations placed on others and they don't match up to them, then we have problems. We have problems. It happens within a marriage. It happens within friendships. It happens within the church. The expectations you have on the other person and they don't meet them, then there are problems. Why don't they start doing this? What's wrong with them? Don't they understand? When our relationship with God isn't what it's supposed to be, our expectations sound like, why are you letting this happen to me? I thought you were a loving God. But when our expectations have been surrendered to God, we begin to see our need and have a different focus. Our questions become, what are you trying to teach me in this situation? Or how can I grow from this situation? It's the outlook that is different in this. It's our, uh, our expectations are changed. And so are your expectations living under God's control? Because when they are, then our attitude is totally different. And our, our, our expectations, of course, are, are adjusted in his way. And then finally, we are, uh, we are to live under God's control in our responses. In our responses. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 says, Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. It is said that a proactive person is spirit-controlled, and a reactive person is others-controlled. Let me say that again. A proactive person is spirit-controlled, and a reactive person is others-controlled. So either you are prepared to act as you have been, filled with the Holy Spirit, no matter what people do to you, or you allow the actions of others to, to control what you do. And in, Again, during these days, I'm sure that's easy to have happen. People respond in so many different ways, and anger and bitterness, and, and the tension goes up. And so then, how are you going to respond? What are you going, how are you going to reply into that situation? Either you're filled with the fruit of the Spirit, or you are bearing everyone else's rotten, stinking fruit. <laughs> Don't bear each other's rotten, stinking fruit. Bear the fruit of the Spirit. So are your responses living under God's control? So personality is an area. Outlook is an area. Words, expectations, responses. If you're looking at those words carefully, you take the first letter of each of those words and you put it all together and you get power. Power comes from when we live under God's control. With these things under God's control, you get meekness, the kind of, of gentleness that Christ calls his followers to. And I think in those areas, as we live under God's control in those areas, we will then grow in him and then develop that fruit of the Spirit, as the Holy Spirit does in us, of course, fruit of the Spirit of gentleness. So how are we doing uh, showing the fruit of, of gentleness? How's that working for you in these days? Are we living under the power of God's control, or are we using whatever power we have to put the squeeze on others? making sure they do what we want them to do. That's not how God treats us. 
God deals with us in gentleness, and it's quite remarkable that he does. <laughs> because when God looked at humanity, he saw rotten fruit everywhere, all over the place. We each fill this world with the stink of our unkind words and the careless actions that we have. And we need to replace that. We need to replace that stink. And Jesus should have taken each one of us in his hands and squeezed the life out of us. Instead, he allowed himself to be squeezed so that then we all too would remain safe. We have that way to heaven. We have that Savior in our lives. In that way, Jesus was like one of those containers that carefully guards each individual peach from damage while they are being shipped. The protector of us. That's why in our text this morning, Jesus urges us to come to him to find rest from this world and from our sins as well. When Jesus says to take his yoke upon us, it might sound like he's telling us to take on a new burden. But Jesus assures us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And what exactly is this yoke? Well, it's being connected to Jesus. And the burden that he places on us is nothing less than his forgiveness, making Jesus no more of a burden than an ice-cold popsicle on a 100-degree day. But if we're gentle, won't others treat us like a doormat? We don't want to be a Christian doormat for everybody. Well, you know, they might try. People might do that. But they're not going to succeed, at least not in such a way that they can do lasting harm to us. That's because gent being gentle means leaving room for God to flex his muscles. <laughs> leaving room for God to take care of the situation. I don't need to insist on my own way because I know that God will deliver what I need. Jesus even once said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The same word is gentle in there. So those who are meek and gentle will not end up in last place. God will make sure of that. And think of how that has, that has been true in the life of the prophet of Daniel. Look in the Old Testament, you look at Daniel. Even though the king's advisors were determined to have Daniel <clears throat> fed to the lions, in the end it was those advisors who became lion dessert. <laughs> it wasn't Daniel. Daniel just remained faithful to his Lord and trusting himself to his God's protection. And God will intervene on your behalf, allowing you to show gentleness, to turn away a harsh word with a kind one, to pray for those who persecute you rather than planning revenge on them, to be patient with those who don't appreciate all that you're doing for them. Like I said, these days, most people are living on the edge, and it just takes one little push to have them just explode into anger, frustration, where are you at in the gentleness fruit? To be able to pray for them rather than, you know, when they persecute, rather than planning that revenge. To be patient with them when they don't appreciate all that you've done for them. Some things we need to look at. And I think we also do need to be reminded from, uh, of Scripture from Romans chapter 12, verses 7 through, uh, 17 through 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Okay, you know, that verse needs to be memorized by all of us. <laughs> that verse right there needs to be memorized probably by more than just us. <laughs> everyone. 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. In verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Too many times I've seen things happen on Facebook and social media that uh, you know, negative response just also brings about other negative responses and everything else. I think the truth and love needs to be shared. But I think the love needs to be shared as well, too. And let people know that a negative response is going to garner a negative response from you. Leave room for God to take care of the situation and care of that person and where they're at. It probably isn't your your job to put them in their place. <laughs> Let God take care of that. But there should be no reason for us to be harsh and vengeful to others, and every reason to be gentle and meek. The next time you're picking out fruit, don't put the squeeze on those poor little peaches, okay? <laughs> You'll just bruise them. Instead, be gentle with them, just as you should be gentle with the people around you. I'm going to have Annie come on up. She's going to lead us in some more singing. Uh, and she does. Let me ask you, how are you in this area of meekness and gentleness? How are you in this area of meekness or gentleness? Are you living under God's control? If you sense the answer is no, then the good news is the Spirit produces this kind of fruit in you. <laughs> That's the good news. And it's not something that you can gener generate on your own. Any more than a popcorn maker can pump out popcorn without electricity. You need to be plugged into the source. You need a relationship with Jesus, guided by the Holy Spirit. But even then, the fruit of the Spirit being produced in a person is not automatic. It doesn't come automatically. The Spirit does not produce this kind of fruit in those who are not willing to be changed, or not willing uh, to be transformed. You have to have a willingness. He doesn't force it on you. Are you willing? This morning, maybe some of you need, to, need God to help you to be gentle. God help you be meek. Maybe you need, need to uh, place some things under uh, God's control. You need to enter into living under God's control. Maybe one of those five areas, personality, outlook, words, expectations, responses, or any of those areas needed to be placed under God's control. Maybe you desire one of the other spiritual fruit we've talked about so far to be produced in you. It's going to require prayer as well as a willingness to be transformed by God. So if those two things are coming together for you, you're willing to pray and you want to be changed, and I encourage you to come pray. Pray this morning at the altar. Ask God to do what he needs to do in you. And those who are online, create a place there for you and God to meet him and ask him, come into my life. Is there an area of these areas or anything else that I need to live under your control, God? And allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to your heart about that. So if you need to come pray, come pray. Andy's going to lead us in this next song, Gentle Shepherd. And I believe it will be a great testimony to remind us of the God we serve.